you got it. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell. And you better believe post-WrestleMania 35 that we are back. And we are back with a bang. Pro Wrestling Edition catching you up on the hangover that is Raw and SmackDown after Mania. Maybe a little more of a rehash from that Mania weekend with all that happened between your boys BC and the SK, the Silver King. But you know what you're getting here. Another action-packed show. Maybe the Power Hour edition. 60 hot minutes coming your way. We got travel schedules to deal with here. Let's get it going. Backed, jacked, and underwritten, of course, by that performance-enhancing audio. Five-star review. All the good stuff. Let's bring in that guy live and direct from, I think, somewhere in Georgia. Say hello to the bad guy. Depending on who you ask, he may or may not have hedged. His name is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey now, yes, live and direct, not just from Georgia, folks, from Augusta, Georgia. That's right, the Silver King is headed to the Masters, and it's one of my favorite times of the year. You guys know it's a tradition unlike any other, and CBS Sports is where you can get direct streaming access on your phone or computer to live coverage all day for each round of the tournament. The coolest part is you can choose between four different streams, whether you want to watch the featured groups, Amen Corner, Holes 15 and 16, or see top golfers getting ready for the round on the practice range. We've been looking forward to this week since the last green jacket was awarded to Patrick Reed last year, so you really don't want to miss a second of the action. The best part is it's entirely free. No need to pay for a subscription or have an expensive cable package to watch. Just download CBS Sports app on your phone or visit cbssports.com slash mastersfirstcut today. And while you're there, be sure to tune in and watch our friend Kyle Porter on CBS Sports HQ, our free 24-hour streaming sports network. He will be reporting live from Augusta National all week long, and the Silver King will be standing right by his side, off screen, of course, but I'll still be there. Wow. That sounded very natural, Silverstein. Did you read that? Just come <laughs> up with that off the top of your head. Um, those four streams you mentioned, can you cross the streams at all? Would that be advised? Uh, there's, you can switch the streams, right, not right. cross. You yeah, can switch them though. Put that business behind us. Uh, Adam, you got master stuff to deal with. I got to get on a jet plane. We got a lot to recap here. Uh, before we get into what was a nice kick in the stick with Raw and SmackDown after mania. Yeah, oh, I said God. it not happy here. Not happy in this house. Uh, any other lingering hangover thoughts from the mania, the madness at the mania. Ron SmackDown, it's almost to the point where it's like, why should we even talk about it? I mean, we will, but what is actually the point? Because you know what WWE told us this week? Our shows after Mania don't matter anymore. Yes. That, that's basically what they told us. Well, they, so, gave us two, well, they gave us two hot-ish hours of Raw. Hot-ish. Not red hot, but There hot-ish. were things that happened that popped us as wrestling fans, but they ultimately didn't matter. There's only actually one thing that mattered. And it was the identical thing that happened on both shows. But but you prompted me for Mania, and that's what I'm going to get into. And it actually kind of leads into the only thing of significance I thought actually happened on Raw and SmackDown. And that's obviously Becky Lynch winning the titles in the main event. We had a long instant analysis show after WrestleMania. And folks, if you haven't listened to it, like, you just should for a couple of reasons. One, because you love us. That's awesome. Thank you. And two, because Brian Campbell and I stayed up until 3 a.m. to do it, Four, and then the bro. Silver King stayed Four. up until 5 a.m. to edit it and post it. So just give me the benefit here. Go listen to that show. It's actually really good instant analysis coming off the show. And BC, we got a lot of tweets also about our Kofi Kingston takes, which kind of hit me in the field spot. So I was really happy about that. I mean, but Silver King speaking for, for the for the generation of African-American fans? Yes, I loved it. Apparently, that's that's the role He's I He's down for the um, culture, this guy, Adam Silver King. Yeah, there's no question about it. Uh but but the, the takeaway I had coming out of this show that we didn't fully get to because we were so confused at the time by the Becky Lynch finish is botch or not, right? And it was a botch. Ron, Ronda or Becky or the combination of them screwed up, as did the referee. Let's make that notable when you should – he probably should have stopped the count and then restarted it screaming in their ears one, two, three, so they knew to keep it longer. Um, so it was, a, it was a three-way botch in that moment. But forget the botch. The finish, the booked finish to that match was horrible. And I don't think that's being spoken about enough. Well, we did get into that on our WrestleMania recap show. 
Um, it makes you believe that they left the door open, of course, for Ronda's return. We know that uh, in addition to a broken uh, right hand, it seems that Dave Meltzer reported, we knew she was going to go away, take a rest, maybe try to start a family. Uh, as Ronda said herself, we can't really speak for her girly parts on this show. That's up to her. So, she, But she was going to take a break is at least what we knew. And I guess the roll-up finish leaves the door open that, hey, it was a triple threat match and you surprised me, Becky. You didn't dominate me. You didn't make me tap out. You didn't make me uh, succumb to the to the three count to your finisher. It was sort of a fluke ending. There was protection there. I don't like that because, look, it's mania. It's friggin' exactly. mania. And it's the historic main event on mania. And, yes, everything we said in that reaction show about the seven-and-a-half-hour show producing fatigue and taking away from how special that main event could have been convinced mixed with the abrupt finish, kind of taking the moment away from Becky of what it could have been. I think overall, even with the botch of Ronda's shoulders up, it was just a little bit disappointing. Uh, maybe that, I don't know. Is that to preserve the moment for Kofi? I'm not even sure. No, but you could have had two if moments. You, if you wanted, if you wanted Kofi to have the moment, you put him on last. I mean, that, that, that's not, that can't be it. It's, it was just really poorly done by Vince, as the last few main of Mania main event finishes have been. And and apparently Vince, I think it was Meltzer reported, maybe it was someone else, so knew since October or November what the finish of Mania was going to be and how it was going to finish. And honestly, it's it was a horrible booking because even if you want, even if you don't want her to hit the Beck exploder and then pin Ronda, right? What you can easily do, you 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 just have to. The key, the biggest issue I had with it wasn't that it was a bridge, you know, finish. It was that they didn't build to it. It just happened all of a sudden as this match was just starting to heat up. What you want to happen is you have that match really, really, really heat up. Maybe you have her lock Ronda in the disarmor. Maybe lock, Ronda comes back, locks her in the armbar, and then Becky reverses out of the armbar into a pinning combination for a one, two, three. It's still hot. It's still c- c- kind of fluky. But it actually results in a finish that people are paying attention to. Uh, but it's still like, fluky. It, the whole point is, like, there's no but, need But think about – but, Brian, think about the Triple H match, right? The Triple H match, just as, just as an example, there were so many false finishes. But even though the crowd wasn't fully paying attention for the first, like, 18 minutes of that match, for each of the false finishes, they were there. They had them. So when Triple H finally won, it mattered and it got a good response. I just think you look back on this whole thing and you say – the women blew up. It became organic. Part obviously a giant part of that was Becky turning into you know female Steve Austin for a hot second. The emergence of Charlotte Flair, who was not going to be overshadowed, and then mixed with Rousey having an incredible first year as a rookie. That it kind of forced WWE's hand in a good way, and we got into that. And they made the right decision by putting that on last. But it's hard not to damn them for coming up short and delivering with a moment to end the mania. And for a lot of ways, botching what was a can't miss storyline. And I just say, like, the point of Rhonda getting bloody, like, that's the mountaintop moment. Rhonda gets bloody. She attacks Rhonda. Nia knocks her out, whatever. That's your mountaintop moment. From there, you have these amazing matches with with Charlotte and Becky. And then storyline-wise, it's all the heck over the place. Luckily, the star power and our anticipation of what that match could have been carried us to Mania but yes, at Mania, even with the history, even with the smart move of announcing it in advance, it just, it didn't, it wasn't what it was supposed to be. And then you had in the uh, Firefest like ending of Mania for people that were there. And look, the di- and Silver King, I went back and listened to our Mania show. You're trying to argue seven and a half hours down to six. I even think that's ridiculous. I, I think they just have to see what you're doing in NXT. Let Paul, Paul's the guy with the, the, the keys right now. Paul knows what the heck's going on. Mania does not have to be a marathon. Why can't Brian, it be- what time, Brian, what time does a UFC pay-per-view show start? And I'm not talking about the pay-per-view. I'm talking about the undercard that they put on previously Fox, now ESPN. Seven? Eight? Yeah, so you'll get four to five so get, hours most. So you get five? So you get five for a normal UFC pay-per-view. So one additional hour for uh, WrestleMania is not, kill, is not overkill. The whole point is it could be a... You could maximize the the attention and love and critical response 
if you condense down what really matters yeah. and you make the moments matter rather than, again, us entering into 11 p.m. and going, holy crap, there's four more matches plus some side stuff. Now we have to rush everybody. Now everybody's fatigued. And now all that, again, played a part in that finish to that main event not being what it could have been. So that, that's just yeah. the final analysis it, on that. You, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, if they trimmed the fat from that show, it feels and looks a lot better than it actually was. Uh, like we barely even spoke about the SmackDown tag team match. It was a great match, but there was so much, so many other things that happened. We never even really got to it, right? Um, but it's trimming the fat and it's delivering on your promises. If you're gonna promise us a main event that's the first ever women's main event, and you're gonna go to the lengths to take a title off Oscar two weeks before the show and make it a winner take all main event, and you're saying this is going to be what the promise was. It's the hottest angle in the company, which it was, and it's gonna be the greatest women's match of all time. It was not. And you can't do that at the end of a seven and a half hour WrestleMania yes. that you know is running long and and have us expect us to be happy coming out a of shout it. Shout out You're to the three ladies. Like I said, they gave an A-plus effort. It just didn't work. That's what it was. Now we got to roll forward into what happened and look, it's a monster disappointment what happened Monday night. We mentioned the first two hours had some moments, okay? The Becky Lynch, holy crap, let's stop right now. The Becky Lynch, Lacey Evans build start to this feud finally finally giving Lacey Evans something to do is I'm gonna tell me if this is overkill oh wow do you feel that holy crap before I get into what's what was awful on Monday Tuesday and how about what was awesome Adam I want to tell you this Shout out to WWE because they give us a lot of interview opportunities Mania Weekend. We got a sound collected from the Hall of Fame red carpet that we'll play whenever we get to it on this show. One of those pieces of sound was with Lacey Evans, and she was full on in character wearing a ridiculous but, but really nice dress, like with this headdress on top of it. What she did in those two minutes I talked to her in character, I know it's 2019, Adam, but we also are humans. I... <laughs> get it. I get whatever she did that Vince was like, oh my god, I gotta put the rocket pack on her and give her this like a little bit ridiculous sort of entrance into the main roster, but it wasn't ridiculous what happened Monday and Tuesday night. Those two right hands that knocked down Becky, and yes, you can criticize that they did the same thing two nights in a row, but holy crap. Talk about somebody, Adam, who went from being kind of a a clown character who just showed up and you're like, what is she to being instantaneously on day one ready for the the biggest title feud possible against Becky two belts? Like, are you kidding me? That was yeah. perfection. Yeah, because Becky sold for her. She sold the first punch like it was like she got hit by a car somehow was able to, you know, stay on her feet. And the second one blindsided her and knocked her out. So I didn't think it was repetitive because even though. It was, yes, it was both a single punch situation. The first was a standoff. The second was an attack from behind. So the first time it's like, oh, this is someone who's just being ruthless aggression style, John Cena style. The second time is, oh, she's not only is she that, she's also a heel and she's going to try to go after your huge baby face. This is how you introduce a superstar on the main roster. That's the key. And people had issues with her walking down this ramp all these weeks with the sound coming in and out. It became funny because she just kept doing the same thing. But I'll listen back. I don't think I ever had an issue with it because I always had a feeling it was going to lead to somewhere. What I liked is they paid it off both Monday and Tuesday with her making these attacks on the ramp. They didn't have her go into the ring. They had her do her exact same thing on Monday, stand face-to-face with Becky, punch her. It was aggressive. And then they had her just all they did. She walked down the ramp, socked Becky from behind on Tuesday, got heat, and left. I thought, like I said, this is how you introduce a character, not spraying himself down with water backstage in front of a mirror, not, you know, some of this, the other crap that, the, that WWE's done with these quote-unquote NXT call-ups. And even Lars Sullivan, which is the natural parallel to this, he, we haven't seen him, obviously. He had those appeared anxiety issues reportedly, uh, but we saw him Monday and Tuesday night. He was the only other consistent thing, really, about both shows. And I thought he, his he fell flat. It was like... Okay, he came in, oh, no, and he no, he and just and just like I thought about Lars Sullivan in NXT, like yes, he's strong, yes, he's big. No, I don't care about him at all. All right, you're, first of all, you were way off there. He didn't fall flat. It wasn't overly impressive and amazing. 
but it accomplished what it did, which is introduce him to people that never watched NXT and have no idea who he is. And he's this freak monster, and he dominated legend Kurt Angle. And then who did he dominate on SmackDown? I can't even remember. Uh, the Hardy the Boys Hardys after, after they, won, they the won the titles. Um, I actually thought it was super impressive. I think Lars is an exceptional physical talent in the ring, and I give him a lot of credit for bouncing back from what what, what the reports were of what you mentioned, anxiety, sort of uh, mental stress. I'm happy that he was able to get back to this point. He didn't get the Cena feud on Mania like it, like the rumors that we thought he was going to get because of that, but uh, that was good to see. But look, here's the deal on Lacey Evans. That brawl on Raw, the two-minute brawl with, with – uh, she did that in a dress, and it was awesome, and it was more physical and believable than most brawls. And I'm telling you, yes, that's part of it, but I'm telling you, the two minutes I was face-to-face with her in an interview, she knows what she's doing. She has the, a mastery of this character that, like like we talk about the Velveteen Dream at 23, you're like, he, he knows this character so damn well. She has a mastery of this character She's going to go far. Up to this point, when I've read the dirt sheets, that she's going to get a monster push. I was like, oh, really? Vince just got seduced. Whatever. He loves blondes with muscles. No, she's a good character. No, she's a really good character. And she can work, too. Um, I'm very impressed by that. And, I'm happy it happened. I, I, I Give her the rocket pack. Go right into a Becky feud. Well, Becky sold. It's perfect. The great thing about her is she has legitimacy. Like, she was in the military, right? She's legitimately tough. She's le- legitimately pretty. And when you dress her up in her character, it fits her. Now, I hate, obviously, the sassy Southern Belle, and they are hammering it home three times an episode. Every time she's on the screen, there was nothing wrong with calling her the late. She was the lady of NXT, the lady of WWE, it's because it's, it's so much better because it contradicts the character. It's like she's a lady, yeah, but she's a heel, right? Like, she, yeah, she's trying to be classy, but she's a scumbag at the same time, right? So... So calling her the sassy Southern Belle is totally unnecessary. Um, but uh, aside from that, that's a nitpick. Aside from that, yeah, I, like I said, this is how you de- debut a character. I fully expect her to contend. I don't know what they're going to do with the title shots, but if she winds up on one particular brand, I expect Becky to defend one of her two titles against Lacey Evans and Money in the Bank, and it should be awesome. Like, it's going to be a good match, and I don't think Lacey Evans needs to go over. She just needs to look really, really legitimate so that whoever does win her brand's title eventually, she can become a contender for that yeah, title. Yeah, I'm with you on that. We did reach out to Renee Young, by the way, to get her thoughts on this push for Lacey Evans. Dean Ambrose looks like he wants a piece of this pie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, he ain't going to be around. Week don't to week we all? It, so. Don't yeah. we all? Um. So, I want to talk before I get into what sucked, and you know what's coming, and it was the ending of Raw, and it sucked for monster reasons. Uh, what led up to that was the tease that we were going to have a winner take all. It was going to be Seth yeah. Rollins and Kofi Kingston, and that's the match that it, how it started. And I want to stop right there for a second because Becky just unified titles, and the problem obviously with Monday and Tuesday was that it wasn't about big surprises, big returns. It wasn't about what's next outside of Becky and uh, and Lacey. It was about let's use these two shows, argue, you know, probably the highest rated shows all year to just preview the, the superstar or tease the superstar shakeup, which not getting it done for us. But what if somebody had on the male side unified those titles just like Becky did at Mania? Adam, I think you have to ask yourself now, with Fox coming, SmackDown moving to there later this fall and the idea that we've talked about since this announcement of how is NBC Universal and Fox going to play nice are they competing against each other for ratings yeah in theory of course they are how are they going to compete at the same time for the roster how is WWE going to split up the roster to make both sides happy will you know the fact that there's women's tag team champions but not Raw and Smackdown women's champions will they bounce around to both roster to both uh, Raw and Smackdown for a second there, I thought we were unifying the men's titles, and I thought the future, and maybe it might be, you tell me, I know we have the Superstar shakeup coming up, but it's also, you know, five, six months away from, from Fox. Will, will the future of SmackDown on Fox be that there is no more, these people are Raw exclusive and these people are SmackDown exclusive? Are we heading towards undisputed championships, and should we be where wrestlers can float to both shows? Because if you're a Fox exec, and let's say Becky Lynch is red friggin' hot, and you're like, "What? We don't get her on Friday nights?" Should we? You be can't going? do it. You can't do it because the last time WWE did it, and and this was a, a symptom of WWE before their initial brand split as well. Um, SmackDown becomes an irrelevant show. 
But but or, Adam, or, but Adam, or, or, or even if SmackDown doesn't become an irrelevant show, one of the shows becomes okay. An but that's a diff. That's but that's like a different world compared to now because you had both on the same family of networks. And even yeah, when, but it, uh, again, but but you, they're not going to run shows like they did Raw and SmackDown back in the Monday Night Wars, where every single week was a massive competition with another brand. So you had to have the champion on both, all the champions on both shows all the hottest characters on both shows. They're just not going to do that again if it's one set of titles. There are too many wrestlers, and and there's too much happening in WWE. You saw WrestleMania. Imagine if there were only half as many titles on that show. Yeah, the card would be shorter, but you'd also have three-quarters of the roster or two-thirds of the roster not on WrestleMania. So you have to keep the dual titles. I do think that if they made a decision to combine the tag team titles... Okay, so you have one set of women's, one set of men's tag team titles. They don't have a significant number of tag teams anyway, and maybe it's a rotational situation where, like, every month it gets defended against a team from the other brand. Like, it's it's always a rotation. So there's always tournaments and there's always reasons for tag teams to be competing, but there, there's not always a title on the line. But you can't have one world champion. You cannot have one women's champion. There's simply too many people, and not just too many people, too many good people. Okay, but let me. But look, this ain't Sci-Fi Network. This ain't the Nashville Network. This is Fox on Friday nights live on primetime television. So the idea of comparing what this fall's era is like compared to other eras, when yes, SmackDown three years ago was a joke. It was a secondary show. It was like a main event on steroids. It was like nothing, right? There was like once in a while something would happen. But this is a different ball game. There's real competition here. It's not WCW versus WWE, but I have to believe the money that's coming out of NBC Universal and Fox separately means that there's real competition. What if in the fact and again, it's not Monday and Tuesday nights back to back. It's Monday and Friday. So in some ways it's almost like two separate weeks in terms of how WWE's structure works. I wonder if we don't if we just don't see like the same stars on both. And yes, I know the roster's too deep for that. Maybe from the mid-card down, they're more or less Raw or SmackDown exclusive. But I think they're going to have to share. And maybe that's where we're headed. Maybe that's where we should be headed. I mean, look, ideally, Adam, you'd want one champion. Ideally, I don't need a Universal and a WWE champion. Ideally, you want one so you always know who's the champion. So the the title means more. No, I, again, I, I just don't agree with – I don't even agree with that as an ideal considering how big the company is. If they were half the size, yeah, you only need one champion. They have so many wrestlers and performers. Brian, there's 10 to 12 guys today who could contend for a world title in the company. And that's without builds, without improving characters, making some, moving someone up from the mid card. There's 10 to 12 guys – and you can't have one title where you have 12 guys trying to go after it. You can't have one mid-card title where you have another 12 guys going trying to go after it. And you can't have only two women's titles because there are no mid-card titles and have you know upwards of 20 women going for those two. So you have to be – or for one, I mean. I'm sorry. So, so you need to have these dual titles. And I appreciate the conversation on it. And I think it's something that as we get closer to October, unless a change is made before then, that we can have. But honestly – I think it was just horrible booking. Well, I think it was a terrible. Like I, I enjoy, I enjoyed the opening segment. WWE succeeded in getting me to stick around for the third hour of the show. When originally I was planning to pause it on DVR, watch the national championship, and go back and watch it later. They got me to continue watching it live. That was their goal. And then they sold me down the river as a fan because we knew there was going to be an interference. Okay, in the match. Well, we're going we to get to that. Hold on. You're fast forwarding too quick. Uh, what you're missing on the idea of going back to one championship and make it be important is it would put the pressure on them to write storylines that matter. Oh, and God, put, dude. Hold they on. They write storylines that matter, but you wouldn't see half the roster every week. Okay, but you would. Because here's the deal. It would put storyline, it would put the pressure on, it would also make the titles matter. What do I mean by that? They roll out these title shots and these title opportunities like nothing. Why? Because there's so many damn titles. And that's why we see the same pay-per-view match on a Sunday night and then see it on Tuesday night on SmackDown and then see it the next week and then see it the next week. And it's just overkill. 
because it's a clutch for them. It's a clutch for them to roll out a title shot and be like, that explains why these two are wrestling. This would go back to 80s-style booking of where if it's not a title feud, then the feud has to have meaning. There has to be a reason why these two are in a feud against each other. Something happens to start it, and it matters, and it gets you invested. I think it's the best thing they can do. It would make title matches actually matter. It would force them to actually dig deep and make real storylines. I hope they go in that direction. It's probably the best thing for business overall. You just want G1 in WWE. You just want New Japan Cup in WWE. That's all That's, that's all nothing, you're trying to that say. That has you want, nothing to do with NJPW. No, it is. It is because you want WWE to create opportunities uh, to tell storylines without without the storyline being exactly about the title. And I, I agree with you in that. Like, what's, what's something I've been advocating for the last two years on this show? WWE should bring back King of the Ring. It's it's a it's a relevant quality tournament that creates opportunity to tell a story and multiple stories throughout that's not just about the winner, right? But you can you can't you can't have a king of the ring with two titles. That that's the issue. So what you're talking about, and I'm just using that as an example, is you're talking about being WWE being able to create additional storylines that are not based around a title. But you know what? It's not a crutch necessarily to have two titles. It's a crutch when you can't book your way out of a box. And that's been WWE's problem. Having two titles, one on each brand, you can still book perfectly fine. You saw what they did with the Kofi Daniel Bryan angle. It wasn't overly convoluted. And then you saw what they did with the women's championship when, by the way, they had both titles in one match. So they only had to book one match. And it was exceedingly convoluted and ridiculous. So I think it, it, I don't think it's a crutch for WWE necessarily. It's just they need continuity in their storylines and they need to have an endpoint in mind, not just at the end of the year, but at the end of the month, at the end of a feud. And they don't operate that way right now. Title or not, they don't operate with the continuity that we actually need to enjoy their product. Well, that's why the addition of Fox is going to, has the potential to be huge because it'll push potentially the financial uh, part of that will push them to be fresh, new, different. And again, I hope they go down to, to singular titles, make them matter again, make the other matches feel like they're people climbing the rankings rather than going nowhere in no direction. But obviously it led to the third hour of raw. It led to that match in the main event. I mean, look, outside of that conversation we just had, I, nobody believed that match was going to end clean, and that's fine. But look, that's where you would debut the Undisputed Era to break up that match. That's where you would debut, bring back anybody who had something to do with the Kofi storyline. Wouldn't it have made sense for Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan to run in and break that up? But instead, they bring out the bar, who obviously nothing against the bar, but the second you saw that, you don't go back to a trope. A badly overused trope, which is interrupt a match, and then two seconds later, everybody agrees it should be a tag team match. I mean, Teddy Long jokes to the nines. It's it. That's absolutely ridiculous and unacceptable. I'm so proud of the Monday Night Raw fans in Brooklyn who put together those chants that was basically like "fu" and just chanted yeah. through that. And by the way, WWE put the uh, YouTube clip out from that, and they dubbed in sound. Of cheering, yeah, as they sh- as they should. Pathetic. It's absolutely no, as they shouldn't. It's absolutely pathetic. No, so they should. So they should let people chanting and hating their main event go on their YouTube page. No, they're a company. Of course, they should do that. The fans were right, though. I'm not saying the fans were no, wrong. It's pathetic, fan- Adam. It's pathetic to dub that in. It's pathetic. It's, it's pathetic to book that match. It's pathetic right. to tell so it's pathetic story. to then put lipstick on it when it's on the pig when it's so obvious. Oh no, that- it's your company. You're not going to put something that makes you look bad on your YouTube page, and you're going to put a highlight from the match. On your YouTube page. So that doesn't make – no, that, what you're saying is ridiculous. No company in the entire world would ever do something like that. If there was an incident at the Super Bowl and it was on CBS and we were going to post clips of it to YouTube, we wouldn't post the incident. Right. So you po- don't post the beginning of the match when they're booing. You post something else. That's the whole point. No, no, but to no, post- no, no. The criticism, the criticism is not for them editing the video. It the is, Adam. The it criticism – They the can't criticism, cover Brian, that stuff up. Dumbest, is for the dumbest, worst booking that you could possibly have – coming out of WrestleMania. It's the Raw after WrestleMania. We, we kind of mentioned it early in the show. They've completely ruined their hottest show of the year by having the superstar shake up ne- the next week and not wanting to do anything to rock the boat whatsoever. Yeah, they did change the tag team titles on SmackDown. We'll get to that, I guess, briefly in a second. But, but the biggest issue for them is they put themselves in a box by saying, you know what? These two shows don't matter. Next week is all that matters. And they told us that throughout the entire show. The opening segment was fine. It was exciting. It made you wonder what was going on. It got me to watch the main event. But like you said, BC, they paid that off 
in the laziest way possible. Literally, they could have had Braun Strowman come out and turn heel on both of them and just ruin it and be a just destroyer, knowing what they were going to do Tuesday night with Braun Strowman, have him come out and challenge Samoa Joe. That would have been better. It's still, I still wouldn't have liked it, but it would have been better. Instead, they brought out a team that had no connection to the show, the brand, or either person in the match, and then just gave us a, a tag team match. And by the way, the following night on SmackDown, the first two things they announced were six-man tags. We had two six-man tags on SmackDown. So as much as we hate Raw and want to criticize their booking, we praise SmackDown for being better and and um, and not as predictable. They gave us two six-man oh tags God. on SmackDown. I watched SmackDown uh, an hour behind, and I've never fast-forwarded through an episode more. And I'm like, this is the the, the SmackDown after Mania, and I'm fast-forwarding through. The, I fast-forward through most of that title match. I don't even care if it was good. It's just like there's nothing going on. Oh, there. the, match, nothing the match for was us. very good. And by the way, it's embarrassing that they put fake cheering in there and put that Whatever. video out. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that they booked it that way. It's absolutely an embarrassment. Don't you dare turn corporate on me. I'm just curious when the hell did you turn so corporate? Don't defend I, lo- them. I love you. I love you. It's because Don't I'm crapping them. on them. I'm crapping on them for terrible booking that's insulting to fans. I'm praising the fans for doing the chance. But because I knowingly and correctly, Brian, am noting that a company would never put that out on their YouTube channel. Again, don't put I'm it cor- out at all. I know, but I'm corporate because of that. Okay. Because you're like, it's 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 okay that they've done that. They're, they're changing. It is. It's their job to do it. It's literally the job. You can't, after the fact, stupid. trick people into what happened. That's what happened. Don't put that section of the match up. Again, it's, you Brian, can't, you're lying. It's their company. It's not a third party. If we, if we broadcast them and we did that on our YouTube page, okay, I would be okay with criticism. It's their product. They're not going to make themselves look bad on their own YouTube page. Right. So don't post it. You lost. Take the uh, – No, well, they post every – they post a clip from every match. Okay. Post the end okay. of it when people aren't booing and yelling swears. Whatever. I mean, come on. Whatever. At some point, Adam – Take the L one... and admit you're wrong because you sound ridiculous. Yeah. WWE you, needs to take that's the advice, L. That's advice you should take. Right WWE now. needs to take the L and not post that match and try to trick people who didn't watch it live. It's ridiculous. Let's move on. What did you think of the tag team title change? I don't care. Did you watch the match? I fast forward through most of it. I like, okay, goes to the Hardys. That's cool. But I like, I like that they delayed that moment because there was already enough going on at Mania. You didn't need the 13th title change at Mania. It's fine. It made me feel better about Mania, even though I said at the time and still believe that match should have been on Mania. You could tell they were building to it. It was good enough Mania quality. They probably would have gone a little bit longer and actually been a little better at Mania. But I thought the title change was great. The match was great. If you sat and watched it like I did, I, I thought it was really, really good. And you know what? It will. I think they did it to put the Usos on Raw, not that that's some like crazy revelation. That's refreshing and exciting, especially if they actually end up doing something with Roman and get them all together finally as a group. Maybe that's possible. Who knows? But right, I, I, th- I thought it was refreshing. I thought the Hardys looked great. And it was one of the better tag team matches I've seen in a while. Two more quick notes on the way out here. We teased that Strowman thing. Look, it's about time. It felt – I can't tell you the feeling. It felt so good to see him in a storyline for a title that matters. When was the last time he feuded Roman for the title? It's like a year and a half. Think of how long he's been in nothing, just showing up to ruin things, flipping buildings over, putting Kevin Owens in a toilet, but doing nothing. There was Nicholas. There was Saturday Night Live. Nothing. Great to see that. And then number two, it was the end of Dean Ambrose. There's no more, like, are we getting worked? It was over. And I don't know, Adam, if you saw what was really good, which was after the show ended, the Dark Match main event was the Shield coming out. It was Dean giving a speech. It was Rollins saying how much he loved him. I loved Dean's speech. I, I wish him well. I don't know if this is a break or if he's running right back into the indie scene to do the kind of creativity that he wants to do. Either way, I support him. He's going to get a piece of that pie either way. Uh it was a good moment when they put the fist back in. I kind of popped for it. I'm fired up for Dean Ambrose's future. Yeah, I, I thought it was a great send off for him. It, you could tell he was actually like speaking his mind a little bit more than he would without totally going over the line and pissing Vince off. Like said a couple phrases and words that like they, Vince probably cringed about it backstage, but didn't go too far. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think he might take a short break, but I expect him to be wrestling. I mean, the guy likes to wrestle, right? And I don't necessarily know if he's going to go to AEW or New Japan, or Impact, or any of these places, um, but they should sure as hell be bidding as much money as they can afford on him, because people love this guy, and they want to see him be himself, be a character that, the character he wants to be, and the character they know he can be, and the truth is, unlike 
I don't believe this about everyone. And we talk about this all the time, WWE ruining people. They ruined Dean Ambrose. When he came back, he had a hot fire feud ready to go with Rollins. It seemed like they were actually going to go Ambrose reigns at WrestleMania. I think that's what is reported was the original plan. Uh, but he had a hot fire feud with Rollins and all the whole thing could have been built around that attack. It was one of the best booked segments we've had in WWE in years. And instead they have this guy wearing gas masks. They add sirens to his entrance theme. He's getting a shot with a really long needle and it honestly was horrible. It could not have been booked worse. Well, so Roman told us that, if that, that if that was the final straw, it's not Dean Ambrose's fault for getting frustrated. It's WWE's fault for booking them like well, crap. Well, partially Roman revealed to us that Dean didn't really want to go down that road of of sort of like clowning on Roman's leukemia, like in a lot. No, of but ways. they they never needed to mention it again. He already did the dastardly act. All right. Well, him leaving. Uh, look, he had a monster run in WWE. All in all, held the big belt for a while and did fine in that. Was right. a part of the Shield. Uh, it, no. First of all, let's stop right there. You can't do that joke anymore, by the way, because there's a Becky Two Belts uh, T-shirt. And in my interview cool. with her on the Empire State Building, all she talked about was Becky Two Belts. It's cool. it's a belt, dude. She's got two belts on her shoulder. It's a belt. She has two titles. Okay, yeah, first of all, belts. that joke is lame to begin with because you're supporting Vince's stupid thing of how he changes every year. What You can't say this. You, they're superstars, not wrestlers. I mean, like, you can call the joke stupid. A lot of our listeners love it. I got a lot of tweets about it. Oh, my God. Did you see a shirt that says Becky two belts on it? Right. Yeah, so now, so now yeah, the folks, joke is exposed. It was fun. We had a good run. But, like, it's Becky yeah, folks, two belts. It's called, it's called alliteration. Her name is B, Becky. So they're calling it Becky two belts because it's fun and it's a good phrase. Vince isn't going to allow Seth Rollins to come out and be like, you see this new belt I have? No, they still call it ch- titles and championship opportunities, and it's a joke. It's a joke. Wow, Silver King's losing his mind right now. I'm getting – I got like seven tweets. Hey, did you see this shirt? I guess it's, your, your, your thing's over. I'm like, guys, I've been making this joke for two years. People like it. It's funny. I'm not – I don't seriously care whether Brian Campbell calls it belts, and if I really have to explain it to you, it loses the luster of being a joke. Wow. Silver King, you need a few minutes to cool down? You need a shower here? Oh, it was just ridiculous. I got I got like seven tweets left. I'm like, guys, I don't care. I don't care that there's a shirt that says belts on it. It's a literation. It's melting down in front of me. This is like the Wizard of Oz right now. It's just stupid. I'm mean, I'm busy, man. Look, I've been gone from home for like 17 days, about to go work the Masters. I don't I don't have time for crap like that. Well, I, I agree with all seven of those tweets, though. They got it right. That's lame, and, and belts is what the, it is. The shirt's great. The shirt's great. The phrase is great. Her using it is great. Um, but despite her having two physical belts in her possession, their titles, championships, and her uh, op- her uh, upcoming match with Lacey Evans will be a championship so opportunity. The people on Twitter did expose you there. They all they also probably could have exposed your tweeting during the Monday, the Raw after Mania. Uh, you're getting a little spoilery, and that does go up against your own uh, personal beliefs, Silver King. That's you fair. have to believe people that. are watching I... the national championship game and maybe not the Rofter Mania, and you're putting out there that this guy got ruined, this thing happened. I, ex- I fully accept that. That's a legitimate cri- criticism. Now can you realize that, the, that, that, was, that was probably your worst take of all time? No, it's the Rofter WrestleMania. So, so, that's a, so, we can, so we can change our rules? The um, go-home Raw to the WrestleMania and the Raw after WrestleMania are exceptions. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. Although the Raw after WrestleMania it may not be an exception ever again if they keep giving us crap like they did this week. That's that's, that's pretty ridiculous. So I also love that you're like we can't say Vince ruined everybody, but here's another guy Vince ruined. Come on, Silver King. See the light. See the light. The Vince ruined everybody thing is about NXT, and I said that he ruins all tag teams, not singles. Uh, do I really have to explain this, BC? Like, come on. You're teetering here. Good, you're on tilt, Silver King. Stuff that Don't week. implode. You're on tilt, you're on tilt here. Uh, we got to get into what was great. You're sitting here. You're basically sitting here trying to call me a, a hypocrite for 10 minutes when yeah. everyone that listens to the show knows exactly what my points are on these subjects. Well, peep, the, the, the fans can chime in and say, was, was I wrong? Was the Silver King wrong? They can be the judge and the jury, Silver King. We're it's not right opposite. or wrong, BC. It's not right or wrong. It's good and bad. And the Silver King's the face in this. Uh, We're on opposite sides of the feud. courtroom here. All right. That is one of the worst things that you've ever said on this podcast. All right, podcast. Silver King. Uh, why don't let's talk about one of the best things that ever happened? NXT Takeover New York last Friday night. You and I didn't get the full chance to sort of have our Mania Weekend Redux. We did the reaction show. Mania Thirty Five was its own animal. But we had a chance, and look, here's where we come clean on some things. 
Do we get comped tickets to these events? Yes, but it's not comp tickets. It's because outside of the WrestleMania, WWE does not do a great job at accommodating the media, which means this. It's 2019. Wrestling is covered like a actual sport, which means I bring laptops to the event and type up live recaps. Yet WWE doesn't do media rows like you would for boxing and MMA. They don't put people up in the press box or the auxiliary media. Only for WrestleMania. That's their choice. That's fine. Normally we get seats, though, that are close enough where it's okay. Yeah, I get heckled during these shows having a laptop on my lap. This time, though, for whatever reason, we got put up in the damn nosebleeds. It is what it is, Adam, but I can't say this was the greatest takeover of all time because there was a... Because we couldn't see it? Because I couldn't see it. And there was a gap between really feeling what everyone was feeling and certainly not having Royal Ronaldo's call in real time is another big part of that. And I'm not here to whine and complain. You could say, oh, God, oh, God. But the reality is, like, look, if you're there to cover the event live, you can't be sitting 10 rows from the top. We were. It was what it was. Even with that distance. Well, this- you know, I, don't want, I don't want you to jump off of that. I, I, I think you're, you're couching your criticism is not important. It's legitimate criticism. I, you know, I... I do this beyond – you do this for boxing and MMA, and you sit ringside, cage side, and no one's expecting that for wrestling. It's They have to sell those tickets. It's totally different. Fine. Um, but I cover a lot of sports, and never has there been an event that I've been to as a fan where I purchased tickets or been given tickets or as a media worker and had worse seats for a show. And the, you know, basically what I was told is, hey, you know, WWE wants to sell every possible ticket that they need to. Well, you know what? You can take 20 tickets and you can give them to the media that are there. Some of them, yes, especially international, are there just having fun and it's a little bit of a thank you and whatever. Many of them, ourselves, our our brethren over at ESPN, are covering the event. You have a laptop with you, as you said. I'm sitting on my cell phone editing your your content so it can get up on the website so we can promote their stuff. And as you said, we were 10 rows from the top. It was impossible to watch or judge NXT TakeOver and it was a shame, too, because when I got back, we got back early enough, I watched it on WWE Network, and it was great. A lot of people saying it's the greatest takeover of all time. I was a little too distant to be in that conversation. I don't think it was the best. I think I've seen it better wasn't. last year. But it was incredible. But there was a distance. For an example, the Walter match live, everyone sitting in our row were like, oh, my God, this thing's going on forever. Yeah, there were fun moments, but it's not that great. You go back and watch it with Moro's call. It's 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 insane. It's great. It's great. But for all that, Silver King, this main event, even there, holy crap. Holy friggin' crap. Wow. I mean, did you feel that? Did you feel all of that? Wow. You feel that? I felt it in my bones. Holy crap. I could have felt that from outside the arena just listening. Adam, the three-fall match, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano. It wasn't the end of the greatest story ever told. I didn't think they were going to crown Johnny. They went for it anyway. The last eight, ten minutes of that were something you can put in a time capsule. It was one of the most special things I've ever seen or felt in my entire life. I walked out of there saying that's the greatest NXT match ever. I walked out of there saying that's the greatest match I think I've ever seen in person I didn't actually expect Meltzer to then come back and say he thinks that's the greatest WWE match of all time, which is wild because we know how much he loves Bret and Austin from WrestleMania 13. Silver King, can you back me up? And I know when I went back and watched it with Moro's commentary, it took it to a whole new level because he was actually like subdued rather than over the top. And the subdued nature was incredible. Is this not just steak? Is this the, the prize cow? Is this as good as it gets in wrestling? Um, you know, it's certainly as good as it gets in WWE. And I think you definitely had people drawing comparisons to Okada Omega 4, which is not your favorite, but it is my favorite match of all time. It's not there. Um, you had a greater storyline that was told not only through the storyline, but through the three matches that preceded it. Now, if we did get Gargano Champa. And they were going to go to that level, something like that. It did have the opportunity to be that special, to be the greatest match ever. Um, And that's not taking anything away from Adam Cole, who was fantastic in this match, particularly during that third fall, the sequence and everything that happened. Um, But I'd be lying to you if I said that 
I thought it was the best match I'd ever seen. No. Best match I've ever seen in WWE. I mean, it's in the it's in the conversation. My biggest my biggest issue, and this is a standard complaint when you get to two out of three falls matches. The first two falls were pretty garbage. And okay, okay, they go, hold on, stop yourself. G- garbage or pedestrian in comparison pedestrian. to your expectations. You can't P- use the pedestri- word garbage. No, no, pedestrian because they didn't. The first two falls, neither of them was difficult to achieve. They both came as if these guys were wrestling on NXT TV, and it just didn't matter. Whereas for Johnny, especially if Johnny's of the mentality, storyline kayfabe-wise, where nothing but actually being murdered is going to prevent him from winning the (laughs) NXT title, he should not be taking a first fall that easily, especially when he kicked out of the exact same maneuver so easily later in the match. So I really did not love the booking of the first two falls. But when you really think about it, there are means to an end. Those two falls just have to happen to get to the rest of the match where you have that anticipated third and final fall. And if you're just judging it based on that portion of the match, it's one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. Top five, definitely. Um, and it holds it holds up when you compare it to like the finish of Okada Omega 4. It's different because that was telling the story and it was relating back. This was simply just telling you, this guy refuses to lose. You can throw everything at him, and you know what? All of the occasions in which on a, the main WWE roster that match would have ended, that as WWE fans we are conditioned to think that once Undisputed Era comes out and interferes, yeah, Johnny is going to get over on them. But what he's not going to remember is Adam Cole's in the ring. And once he gets back in the ring, he'll get a shot on Adam Cole, but eventually he won't, and he's going to end up losing the match, and he'll be able to blame Undisputed Era. That's what happens on the main roster. That's not what happens in NXT. He kicked out of that. Man, it was really special. I mean, it was insane. We the debate we had among our group of guys there was was the was the three the the essentially the three to four dramatic kickouts in the final eight minutes of that match too much. Did Johnny overcome too much? I think your point on the first two falls, if you're gonna compare it to like the best we've ever seen, which is Omega Okada four in terms of, you know, a, a three fall match, then you're right. Then it, it isn't comparable on that. That finish though from the feels standpoint to me was absolutely perfection. Every anything I ever would have wanted. We did have debate within our group what was it too much. I'm gonna say no, because Johnny the whole story was finally climbing the mountain, the underdog. We thought it was going to come against Ciampa. This shows me that they actually have legitimate fear in Ciampa's uh, future. That, like, you know, year and a half, it could be, will he be the same? Where will the storylines be at that point? Making the decision to go for it was great. I believed it. And I believed it because of moments like when he took out all three Undisputed Era people outside the ring. Oh, my God. And did that, like, hurric- that tornado DDT while while ghetto blasting the other guy. And then when he runs back into the ring, you're like, oh, no, he's, he spent too much time focusing on them. He's going to walk into a finisher and then the kick out. Oh, my God. I mean, it was truly special. I was able to look over the fact that, yes, he kicked out of a lot and he came back because he was so determined. But then you sprinkle on what happened after. And I'm not just talking the three separate times he celebrated in the crowd with the fans. And by the way, one of them with Stack Guy Greg from ESPN's Cheap Heat, and it was amazing that he was right there. And Johnny kind of fell over, and he helped and he helped him up. But how about this? A guy who you could argue deserved to be on our own state of combat, Mount Rushmore, right? Black Saber Junior. Did did Black Saber Junior get screw Black Saber Junior, or did BC screw Black Saber Junior off the Rushmore? That's a conversation for another day. But I got you know to, the answer to that question. I got to. And by the way, just so anyone, if anyone's wondering about this show, there is no racism here in the world wrestling. Fan. Has won't ever be, and that's the bottom line on the state of combat. Uh, Black Saber Junior, who I met by the way after the G1 Supercard, amazing dude. Took a picture with him, love him. He was sitting front row, Adam, behind the NXT announce table. He was one of those guys who helped Johnny up after he went through the day table. If you watch it on the network, they don't show that. But from our angle, we were able to see that. When Johnny got sent through the table and then dramatically got up to beat the 10 count, Black Saber Jr. was one of those dudes who helped him up. It was an awesome moment. Anyway. Well, that, that's an interesting revelation, though, because we have Tristan, who we know gets great seats, puts brings signs. And then we have Black Saber Jr., who's upset about not being in the Rushmore. And by the way, BC's fault, not mine. Um, and he's sitting right behind Moro. No sign. No milk of Marknesia. No feel spot activated. 
Those are things you do need oh, to do to get onto the onto the Rushmore. Let's be all honest. Right, so you're saying, so, so, all right, all right, that's interesting. I don't, I didn't see I'm that. Just, I'm just, I'm I just didn't saying. see you turn and heal on Black Saber. Anyway, what I'm really building to is then you have Tommaso come out. And, of course, we're all like, oh, my God, he's going to attack him. And they don't. And they do the ultimate babyface moment. And I think that's smart because it's coming off of Tommaso having the ultimate babyface videos on the WWE Network of how he overcame surgery and with his family there. And they just you just have this love moment, and it's pure, and it's amazing. And what everyone doesn't know, unless they were there, when the cameras turned off, Tommaso punk faked that he was going to attack Johnny, and Candace freaked out, and it was awesome, and he was just kidding. Wow, Adam, I just want to stop and just say thank you to everyone involved in that match. To, to In Paul We Trust, they gave us, whether that's the greatest thing you ever saw or only in the top five, look, I have a small group of matches that, to me, Okay, maybe they're not the greatest matches in order, but they're my core group of my favorite matches. It's Savage Steamboat. It's Flair Michaels from 24. It's Hogan Savage from 5 because of the whole build, and I love that match. And even though some people tweeted at me and said that match is pedestrian, back off and F off. Okay, that match is my match, and it's Okada Omega 1 through 4. And Adam, this has joined that lexicon. This match, Cole Gargano, wow. Thank you. The best thing NXT has ever produced. Let's just let me just put it this way. It's the best match I ever I've ever seen live. And I saw Sean Undertaker and Sean Flair. And wow. I was 10 rows from the top of an arena. So despite the complaints and they're legitimate um, from us in terms of seating and ability to see that show, we were sitting in those seats. We were transfixed at what was going down. And it completely delivered in every conceivable way in terms of that third fall. Yes, yes. All right, Adam, we got to quickly get through. Uh, okay, we were at the Hall of Fame red carpet. We didn't stay for Bret Hart getting attacked. It's obviously awful. I know a lot of people tweeted at us and were like, was that you, BC? Was that you, Silver King, who ran in and speared him? Uh, obviously not. It was a, a psychotic guy who uh, who you go back and read that guy's tweets, and it's it's just it's just bad that this happened. And um, I was off banging, Sonny. Wow, wow. We did yeah, we did get Bret Hart's uh wow, Silver King afterwards and uh, uh just say for the record I was not banging Sonny. Uh, I hope they I hope Bret has sunny days again. He's a trooper, he got up from that, he finished the job, right? He finished the speech honoring Neidhart in the Hart Foundation. Obviously that was uh that was rough to see, man. It, Does to, that change to be, very seri- to be to be very serious though, like you know, we don't like Bret for reasons, you know, the things he called us and stuff, but no one deserves that. And no one being honored at a Hall of Fame who's had a career like his. He's not a bad person. You know, he's like, he, he may say some things that we or other people don't agree with and whatever, but he's also on the, on the right side about a lot of stuff. He's been on the right side about some of WWE's old policies. He's on the right side about his brother that he should be in the WWE Hall of Fame. And he's the only member of his, of that immediate family who wants him in it. So we'll criticize him to the day's end and he deserves a lot of it. No one deserves that, him in particular. And we could talk about Dash Wilder running in and uppercutting that fan. Travis Brown and Shane McMahon running in and Travis Brown, Ronda Rousey's husband, you know, UFC heavyweight running in and ground and pounding. But, Adam, we are lucky and WWE's lucky that 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 wasn't a stabbing, that that wasn't something way worse. I'm I'm really happy that it was put out quick. And I hope, you know, this does maybe WWE steps up security or whatever moving forward. Just a bad situation. Uh that's it. That is what it is. Hogan came back at the at the Hall of Fame. He also came back at Mania. We covered that already. Uh, before we get into G1 Supercard and our experience, I want to say my if I had a field spot this week, you saw that. Did you see that Velveteen Dream video he put out on Twitter of the when Buddy Murphy's coming back from the ramp after losing his Mania match and Dream's talking trash to him? Are we seeing Buddy Murphy getting put on NXT, Adam? This would I would jump through the screen because actually. Even though he's deserving of a call-up to the main roster, we just argued about how deep the main roster is. Imagine Buddy as an NXT main eventer moving forward. Are you kidding me? No one no one comes back to NXT, but like if anyone should, Buddy Murphy should come back and be elevated into either a North American title or NXT championship opportunity. Like He's the perfect guy to do it, um, and if that's the reason they took the title off him, then more power to WWE making that move. That was genius, uh, and we glossed over it. Because we really don't have the time, and we really should give NXT TakeOver a more thorough review. So I'm just going to – really quick question for you. What was your favorite match other than the the main event? It was it was Dream and Riddle, and it, it – it, I had high expectations, and it, and it was a little bit of a slow starter, but it got back around to being awesome. And, man, Riddle – this was real – I mean, Riddle had the, the feud with uh, Chris Hero or uh, whatever they call him. 
uh, just like Muhammad Ali, they called him Cassius. But this was his first real chance, I think, to show you how good he actually really is. I love their chemistry. I pop for that. His mama call him Clay? I'm going to call him Clay. Uh, no, uh, easily. I thought it did not deliver to the level of my expectation. I nailed the Kofi Kingston, blow the roof off MetLife. I did not nail uh, Velveteen Dream, Matt Riddle being matched of the weekend. It didn't come close to that type of billing. Didn't wasn't match on the show, best match on the show. But it was great. I loved the story they told, and I thought it was very nice that they put Dream over Riddle clean. That's an important win for Velveteen Dream. I've been criticizing him, not him, the booking of him on this podcast before he won this title. Every big match he was in, he lost. He finally won a big match, the biggest match, actually, of his career, because defending that title versus winning it against Gargano on a on a, a basically a taped show, that's kind of meaningless. This put this guy, it strapped a rocket to Velveteen Dream. And also, of course, at the Hall of Fame, we didn't get into it, but Triple H uh, called uh, AEW Pissant, and then AEW comes back with a uh, B- BTE episode, of, you know, titling it Pissant. I haven't had a chance to see that yet. I also haven't. Had I a thought chance to I thought it. I did watch it. I thought it was weird. They called it that, which was awesome, but they didn't reference it ever. Oh, they didn't. So, okay, that's interesting. No, and it was, also, it was really strange. I'm told by people on uh, DM. Sorry if I don't have your name ready. That uh, we need to watch 205 Live this week because there was a rematch between Buddy Murphy and Tony Nese that tore the oh. house down. So shout out to that. Uh, in closing here, we went to the G1 Supercard. Um, I'm going to say it didn't live up to the expectations of what it could have been, which was like an epic uh, uh, shifting change in the pro wrestling world. And part of that was because, you know, Omega's not there and it wasn't in, in, in AEW's branching off and it was a little bit splintered. It was awesome, though. It was very entertaining to see Okada win the damn uh, IWGP championship in Madison Square Garden with that kind of reception and the streamers and all of that and to sit with Nick Costos to watch it. Not only did he not win it, I felt that he lost it. And we didn't. We never got into it. Nick Costos took a job. He's with Sports Illustrated right now. He's got some other stuff going on, not with CBS Sports anymore, and we wish him so well. He's got some big things coming up in his career. It was great to reunite with him. He was uh, going to be on this show, Adam, but we had to rush it and record it because of our travel schedules. But how would you grade overall your experience of that G1 Supercard, Ring of Honor, NJPW coming together, Cass and Enzo on the timeline, did it live up to what it could have been in your eyes? Yeah, I give it a um, – it's tough to give it a grade. I'd say better than giving it a grade, I would meet ex- – I would say it met my expectations. I got the two best matches that I could hope for on that show in Tana- in uh, Okada winning the title against Jay White. I don't love Jay White, but we saw Okada win the IWGP title outside of Japan. It's never, ever happened before. That's crazy. And we, we, and that's what we have said that uh, NGPW needs to do. What I tell you at that show, if it was typical NGPW, like it's been the last two years, they would have almost given him the title, but they wouldn't because it's in the United States. They did take that extra step. That was great. And bro, we freaking saw Abushi oh, Naito in what I think, and I got to see it on TV, at minimum 4.5, maybe great. five-star match. It was awesome. So being able to see those two was gr- were really great. But I knew going in, it's half of a Ring of Honor show. You're not going to get Dominion. You're not going to get Wrestle yeah. Kingdom, right? And I will give the ladder match credit. It was not great. I thought the finish was great. Um, but the rest of it, every other Ring of Honor segment, it shows you they're not the B promotion in the United States to WWE. They're not the C promotion in the United States to WWE. They just have so far to go. Signing Bandito was a really good step. Putting the title on Taven, who I don't particularly like, but that was a good step. Um, Marty was really good in that match, but they are just not up to the level. And and this Enzo casting. I got worked. No one, I no got one, worked in the moment. No one wants it. No one wants it except you. I want it. First of all, I want it. Second of all, I got worked in the moment because the punches from our view looked stiff and looked real. And then I thought it was smart that Ring of Honor didn't put the cameras on it. So it made it seem like it was a shoot. And I know everybody can complain and be like, uh, you know, I don't want them. That's a dumb move for Ring of Honor. It got attention. I think it's actually a good move. Look, I don't care about Cass. Who cares about Cass, right? And he's bloated right now, too. Enzo is, a, is an all-timer on the mic. At me if you want. He's an all-time. Are you going to Are you going to watch Ring of Honor weekly to hear him on the mic? No, but I will be on the lookout for what it is. And here's the deal. I'm going to say two things that are contrasting at the same time. Um, the end. The Ring of Honor stuff in comparison 
to NJPW. And yes, that that card, by the way, was also too long. It, we did we barely had the stamina for that main event. Um, it, it was a step down in comparison to to NJPW. It was obvious. It was not on the level. And in some ways, you could argue it dragged down the show. But at the same time, if you take just the Ring of Honor stuff and pull it out and be separate. I thought that I thought it was entertaining. I thought they did well. It's not in JPW. It's not on that level. And you're right. But I actually liked it. I liked that ladder match. I liked it a lot. The spots were great. I think Taven's the right guy at the right time. He gets heat. It was perfect. I like some of the run-ins, the Bully Ray, the weapons match. So I wasn't as against it. But it does sort of make you say, hey, NJPW, like, it's good that you have this talent sharing deal with Ring of Honor. But they're not on your level. So if you want to make a run at the U.S., it's time to kind of do it on your own. I think we saw that play out here. But a couple other little tidbits. Jay White looked like a star. He's in the best shape we've ever seen him. He's got abs. And that I think his ring gear, the white leather jacket with the rips and tears of the slash, is among the best in all of wrestling. I give him credit for what he did in that match. It wasn't a five-star classic, but the end of that match heated up to what we needed. It was great. A lot of fun little moments in the show. It was my first taste of a giant Ring of Honor show and, and it ended up being the, the biggest show in Ring of Honor history. And it was obviously my first taste of a live New Japan show. And I want more. I loved it. I, 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 I would like say the, that. Go ahead. And our, seat, our seats for that weren't great either. But I would say that from a delivery standpoint, NXT delivered most on the weekend, despite the fact that it could have delivered greater for us had we been, had we been able to see it. And WrestleMania for me delivered number two simply because there was enough great moments that outweighed the bad, outweighed the length, outweighed the travel issues that we had, all of that. And I, if I'm being completely honest, New Japan did come in third. Um, that doesn't, but I just praised it. I said it met my expectations. I saw two of the best matches I've ever seen on that show. I got the exact match I wanted in Ibushi Naito. That was perfect. But when you're talking about full entertainment value being at a place for an extended period of time, NXT was one mania despite its length was two. Uh, do you agree with that? I do. And I think the NXT almost has this weird problem, Adam, that Moro so amazing and adds so much to the brand. I had a conversation with Moro like two weeks ago, and I think he accidentally took this as an insult when I was complimenting him. I'm like, Moro, I'm going to be honest with you. You're at least 40% about what I love about these takeover shows for my personal fandom. Like you add that much to it that you're 40% of what makes it good. And I think he kind of took that as weird, almost like I wasn't saying he was hundred percent. I'm like, no, no, think about it. The wrestling's so great, but you add so much that you're like 40% of what I love about it. And I think he's so like, he's the best in the world in pro wrestling. And I think he's so good for that brand that any other territory, you can watch a show live and get almost the same experience. Whereas NXT Live is actually a step down than watching it with his call on TakeOver TV. And that's crazy. So I love Moro. Love him, okay? you Besides yourself, you will not find a bigger propon- proponent of him than I. But NXT TakeOver New Orleans, BC, we didn't need Moro, okay? The, this NXT TakeOver show, I know people want to say it was the greatest of all time. It wasn't. It wasn't to me. It was maybe third. New Orleans was freaking incredible. There were three five-star matches on that show. People just forget conveniently about that main event and the North American title match on that show. There was no second match on this show that compared to that. Yeah, War Raiders, Ricochet, Aleister Black was a spot fest, and it was good. The women's match was pretty good. Riddle, Dream didn't live up to my expectations. And the UK title match, yes, in that case, was 50 times better on WWE Network than it was in the arena at least from the 10th row from the top. But I love Moro. He's, I don't know, 25% of what makes NXT TakeOvers so great. Maybe 40% of what makes their weekly television so great. I love this. I love the guy. I love the product. The TakeOvers are special. They're unique. And when you sit up close and when you can see the action live, it's amazing. So I, yeah. I'm not going to completely agree. Takeover won the weekend. Uh, my best match of the weekend, I think, uh, is that that Takeover main event. The Kofi Bryan match is special. It's amazing. I gave it an A minus live. I, I really needed to go back and watch it again. But not only did Takeover win the weekend, the match of the weekend was that Gargano Cole. I have to say, I loved Gargano Cole in terms of match. It's probably the best match that I saw of the weekend. 
moment. I, I actually just got chills thinking about it. Kofi Kingston, Daniel Bryan. I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen a reaction like that. And and we're talking about announcers, Brian. I need to give a shout out to Tom Phillips and Byron frickin' Saxton. Because when you watch that again, I don't know if you have, on WWE Network, Tom Phillips gave a call that says to me, Michael Cole, it's time to step aside. Whoa. Okay? He delivered in calling that, and then immediately after the bell rang, Byron Saxton did the best work of his entire career. And by the way, I really like Byron Saxton day-to-day, week-to-week. So for me to say that, that's like, he legitimately was great. The, the, I felt it in my bones in the arena. I already told you about that experience. Listen to the WrestleMania incident analysis. I felt it again in the pit of my stomach watching it on WWE Network. I will watch that match and I will watch that, watch that finish for the rest of my life. Wow. That was incredible. Yeah, Silver King is for the culture. I love it. That's a great moment. It's not I, even that. It's not I even that. It was, it was done. It was, it was done perfectly. It was. Uh, and, and in closing, uh, look, WrestleMania weekend is, it's an all encompassing thing. You need, like, I didn't even get a chance. I wish I could have been at Bloodsport. I wish I could have been at that impact show, which had, uh, Sabu and RVD in the main event in a extreme tables match. I wish I could have been on a lot of things. I wish I could have gone out for beers with the Black Saber Juniors of the world, the Adam X Parsons who was there, the Tristan Adelanos, and it just didn't happen. We had some long ass days, but shout out to our listeners who were there with us every step of the way when we put out all that content. Shout out to our State of Combat uh, Mount Rushmore guys who have started a group chat because of the, this podcast and, our, and everyone's bros now. Shout out to that Milk of Marknesia guy on Twitter, Adam, did you see he took that box with that bird, which is probably Bray Wyatt? We're not sure that they're teasing, and he put you, you and I doing the brandy thing in the bird's mouth. I mean, that's that's brilliant. It was really funny. That that's a great gif, and we retweeted that or video. So be sure to watch that. Um, the takeaway I had from WrestleMania week: it is far better, and when I say far better, twice as good in smaller major cities. The 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 difficulty in traveling, not just in New York, but from New York to Brooklyn to New Jersey, makes it so difficult to enjoy that type of show in that type of setting. We had no issues in New Orleans. We had no issues in Orlando. And next year in Tampa, we're going to have no issues also. I felt the same as you. I actually felt like, man, we missed something by not going to Bloodsport or WrestleCon or, or one of those events. I missed something personally. I like going to Access and going to the Superstore and buying some gear. We didn't have the time. And more importantly, I didn't have the energy to do it because my entire lower body was like killing me the entire week from walking and running and and, carrying a 50-pound bag. It was very, very difficult to enjoy that weekend the way I normally would with having a car and being able to just park at an arena. It's the little things like that. So apparently your boy Arash Markazi is reporting that Los Angeles is the front runner for WrestleMania 37. Good on them. I don't know if the Silver King is going to be going to that one, Uh, but I will be in Tampa next year. I'm looking forward to Tampa. It's a three-hour drive from my house, BC, Um, and it's just special. It's great that we get to do this every year. It's fun to be with you watching wrestling in person, to tape these shows live, to interview superstars, to talk to Kofi Kingston on the roof with a New York City skyline in the background. It's tough to beat, and for all of our complaints, ultimately, it was a great time. It was. No hook that leg. <laughs> yeah, follow us where you follow us. All that good stuff. Uh, it's time to say good night. Goodbye and good night. Bang! What do you got, Silver King? Literally the one guy who had nothing to do with anything we discussed on this show. Yeah, but he's the best in the world, and he's the best there ever was. Supposedly, it would be nice if we saw him wrestle. Bang! Bang! That guy's the... When he retires, he's going to be the greatest wrestler of all time. Don't at me. The Silver King, BC, we are out. Just answer me one more question, Adam. Now tell me who's the fruit booty! Yeah, tell me, because you know what? We out. We out.